we're going to be going into today a new kind of mini-series called Foundations. We've finished Acts, we've just gone through two weeks of a mini-series on vision and looking at our vision of family and harbour. And so if you haven't heard those ones, they're not up yet. Um, but they will be, and you can track back and find them in the podcast. And I encourage you guys, listen to them, engage with them, go on our website, listen to the vision video on the website, because it's so important that we're all traveling the same way, that you understand that it's not just a thing to come to, but we're, we're all going and heading in the same direction. And so over the next few weeks, what I want to do is go into this mini-series called Foundations. and. These are foundations that we're going to be building this vision upon, this, the, these places that we want to go, who we want to be, that these are going to be under, undergirding these foundational things within, within the church. And I actually had a certain place that I was planning to go in this period of time. There was a certain sermon series I was going to be doing, but the Lord just really spoke to me and said, don't do that yet that has to be pushed back, that before you build that, you've got to put in the foundations. They're kind of foundational beliefs and mindsets, which I believe, if you're, if you're a believer today, you've got. And so it's strengthening those things and building those things afresh, maybe reminding us of them. And I'm excited by it because, you know, the bigger the building, if you're in construction, the stronger the foundations, the deeper the foundations, the bigger the foundations. So when God said to me, look, James, you need to do a series on foundations, that made me excited because no one spends all the money and the time and effort and energy to build a foundation to leave it as a foundation, right? They build something on it. They've got an intention for it. And that's exciting for me because it shows that God's planning to build something here. God's planning to build something through us as a church, but also through you guys as individuals. So as we go through, be coming because they're going to build on each other. Every Sunday is going to build upon the other. So one of the main things that we have been mentioning over the last few weeks to do with vision, it's been one of our core values, which is valuing the presence of God, valuing the presence and that's where we're going to camp today, right? The presence of God. We shared about how this pursuit of the presence is something that we hold dear, one of our seven core values as a church. And my heart for each and every single one of us is that we wouldn't live a day not in the presence of God. That our days, our lives would be lived from the presence, where we have this authentic, real relationship with the Almighty, that that's paramount, that that's first and foremost. It's the first thing we think about when we get out of bed in the morning and walk out the door. So before we can begin to engage with that other stuff that's really on my heart for us to travel into, before we can engage and start building some of those really cool things, right? Some of those things which maybe look really beautiful, there's some really amazing foundational things that we've got to put in place first. We have to, we must, that to have this correct, healthy understanding and relationship with God. So here's, the, here's a big idea, the big idea for us today about the presence of God, the big challenge, the thing that I just want you guys to take away, because we've heard time after time after time, you know, you know, pursue the presence of God, get in the presence of God, things like that. But God wants to be in your presence 
more, right? God wants to be in your presence. God wants to be in your presence. So we've spoken about being in the presence of God a lot, but I really believe it's so important that we realize we need to understand and we need to believe that he wants to be in our presence. That actually he wants to be in our presence more than we could ever conceive of wanting to be in his presence. And I'm really sorry if I've ever, through any talks or anything like that, made, made anyone think that this kind of the phrase pursuing the presence of God is, pursue, is running after something that's running away from you. It's just not the case. It's not the case. That it's, that it's not this kind of religious journey of striving to catch hold of this elusive God. It's not like that. If you've ever thought that and I've led you into that I'm sorry if you've ever thought that I want to encourage you today it's completely the opposite it's a hundred percent the opposite you know the whole Bible is about God and man being together in relationship in each other's presence isn't it? that's how it starts and how we lost that proximity how God goes out of his way so out of his way he goes to outstanding lengths to bring us back into his presence you know i'm i'm a dad i've got three children i think i just noticed this morning this shirt has vomit on it i thought it was brand new i thought it was clean so sorry don't look too closely you know when eliana says to me that she wants my time this happened on friday i was very busy i said look i need to i actually need to I need to get into work a bit earlier. She just looked at me and she said, I'd like to go to Starbucks, Daddy. Please give me time. Devastating. You know, morning plans out the window, all that done. She's only three, so I wonder what she'll be like when she's older, you know? When Leonie and Benedict, when they look at me, because they just have this thing where they just look at me, these, these, little, these little babies, and they just smile at me. I, I as dad can't like tear my tear my gaze away I, it draws me in as they stare at me it draws me into them I just want to be in their presence it's amazing and I'm just a sinful dad right in Genesis God makes everything doesn't he God makes the heavens and the earth and on the earth he makes a garden he makes this garden on the earth. The rest of the earth is a wilderness, isn't it? He makes this garden, that promised land where God and man can dwell together, can be together, can work together. This can work from this place of togetherness and unity and presence that mankind then is mandated to go out, right? They're mandated to go out. Remember, it says, go into all the world, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's seeing this promised land, this Eden spread out, this place, this, the beauty of the garden where God and man dwelling and being together, going out, spreading and filling the whole earth. But of course, we know the story, right? Man messes up. They sin. We sin. We're removed from the presence of God. We're removed from Eden, the place of dwelling in the presence, the place of that, that promised land of being together. And where are we cast out? into the wilderness and I just love how the Bible tells many many stories but then there's this overarching story that speaks to us being brought back into the presence of God being brought back into that promised land of Eden where we can dwell with God and years and years and years later 
there's a man in another wilderness and he writes a book it's Moses he writes Genesis doesn't he when he's in the wilderness Moses writes that during those 40 years when he's with the Israelites there and Moses is reminding the Israelites there isn't a big like debate about creation it speaks about creation right but they're not having like an evolution debate about creation in that point it's reminding the Israelites that the God who cast them out of the garden that the God who had to cast them out of the presence of that promised land was actually now bringing them back restoring them back into presence restoring them back into the promised land encouraging them in that and that their journey their salvation into the promised land you know that's a picture a picture of a a grander picture of humanity itself where God is calling us back into his presence what else from the bible from that big picture there's actually loads but what else shows that he actually wants to be in our presence same with Moses Mount Sinai right when Moses goes up the mountain he speaks to God and God gives him detailed instructions doesn't he about building this box an ark and the tabernacle I'm going to be going over this in quite broad strokes but that God's saying I want to come and dwell with you because the presence of God dwells in the ark doesn't it and God gives specific instructions of where that ark is supposed to be that has to be in the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle and where the tabernacle has to be and the tabernacle has to be right in the center of the camp that God's heart is to dwell right in the center with his people and it's at that time as well isn't it that the law is given and that there's this whole load of stuff that really shows God's heart of being present in the people but also that the situation that exists because of their sin that they can't come into his presence that all the things to do with the law that show them that the people can't enter in no one could just go into see the ark hey I'm just off to the ark at the moment I'm just going to go and chill out in the ark not anyone could do that it was once a year the high priest okay the great high priest went inside the holy of holies and it was this process of seeking atonement for the sins of the nation and when he went in to the holy of holies it's a tough job right that he would have bells tied on him and a rope tied around his waist because going into the presence of god as a man if his sin wasn't dealt with properly if it wasn't cleansed and there's kind of cleansing rituals and sacrifices to go into the presence of God that actually could just die and it was that's just part of the preparation that if the bells stopped he died and they had the rope so they could just drag him out again dangerous job right dangerous job entering the presence of God wasn't something that was eat like wasn't something that was fun hey great I get to go in the presence of God it's terrifying it's like I may die today you know and then it's only through those cleansing and purifying and the sacrifice that a man could come into the presence of God it's this four picture of the great high priest our great high priest Jesus who would one day go before the father with a sacrifice to atone for the sin of man 
But his sacrifice wasn't going to be the blood of an animal. He would be that animal. He would be that spotless lamb. That he was slain. And Jesus goes as our high priest into the presence of the Father with, his, with the completely innocent, with his blood for all of the sins of man. Why? Why does he go through that? So that you can be in the presence so that you could forever be declared sinless righteous that you could step into without fear of needing a rope tied around you to be dragged out of the presence of god that you could be step into the presence of god think of the cost of the cross think of the cost of the cross think of the lengths that god went to so that you could really call him father and that he could call you righteous not just kind of good like you're a good person but righteous that you could be that the righteousness of christ how right standing christ is the son of god is with the father that could be attributed to you it's amazing think of the battle fought for your liberty that you could stand blameless before him no condemnation upon you nothing that you've ever done could be held as an accusation against you that God is not running away from you that God who orchestrated all of history for you it's that prodigal son where the prodigal son comes up the road and the father rushes down the road and runs to him and grabs him in his arms that's our father he wants to be in your presence will we come to him today Will we prioritize time with him? I love the signs. I love the sim, like the various symbolisms. You could preach a whole sermon series on this to do with the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses and everything there. It's awesome. It's great. But you know, as great a sign as the tabernacle of Moses was, it's not the tabernacle that God says that he's going to restore. God tells Amos the prophet what kind of tabernacle he's gonna restore and he says this in Amos 9 11 and 12 he says in that day I will restore David's fallen shelter so this could be David's tabernacle David's tent in some translations I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins I will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom Gentiles and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who do these things what's David's fallen shelter what's David's tabernacle or tent well just a little bit of background for those of you who don't know this part of the story the ark has basically sat in a field for ages and David decides that they're going to bring it up to Jerusalem restart restart the worship of God bring it up to Jerusalem there's an amazing story all around that but he's bringing it back up to Jerusalem and he puts it in a tent but it's not a tent like the tabernacle of Moses as far as we know it's just a tent now I'm going to read from first chronicles 16 1 to 6 it's the story it's what 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 happens it says they brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it this is in Jerusalem and they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings he blessed the people in the name of the, in the name of the Lord then he gave a loaf of bread and cake of dates and cake of raisins to each Israelite 
man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Here we go. Asaph was the chief and next to him in rank were Zechariah, then Jaziel, then then Shemiaramoth, then Jehiel, then Matthew. Mattithia, then Eliab, then Benaniah, then Obed-Edom, then Jael. They were to play the lyres and the harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. This is what God says that he's restoring. You know? This is what God says he's restoring. Why is that significant? Firstly, these guys aren't the high priest, and yet they're stood in the presence of God. They come into the presence of God to worship him, to thank him, to praise him. You know, imagine being a priest in David's kingdom all of a sudden, where everything that you've ever heard about the priesthood and everything like that is different. It's suddenly you need to start engaging like this. It's, it seems so, so different than it was before, that they're, they're called into praise and worship as opposed to this sacrifice for sin. Notice there are sacrifices. There's the fellowship offering. There's this praise offering. But there's not this sin sacrifice. There's this endless worship where David arranged these guys so that, if you read further in the story, that there actually is 24-hour worship before the presence of God, completely unending. It's this whole change in the priest's job's description in a sense, that they, that they all come into his presence, that they all stand before the ark, that they live in this place of worship. So why is that relevant? Why is that relevant to us as the church 2,000 years later? Well, actually, it's a very similar picture. And Peter helps us understand it, how it's relevant to us today. And he says this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you're a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Peter reminds us that we are priests, that we are called priests, that we are this royal priesthood to worship him, to declare his praises, not to administer sacrifices in that traditional sense of the word. Sure, we live a sacrificial life but to live in the presence of the Almighty as priests to come before his presence in worship, in praise of him who's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We're called to live lives of worship from the presence of God. And the prophecy in Amos, it indicates that actually when people are living in that place, when that when people are living in the presence of God, people get saved, that there's this transformation, that there's this dramatic impact on the atmosphere around us, this dramatic impact on the atmosphere on the earth, the spiritual atmosphere completely 
changes. And I mean, I think it just makes sense, right, that a bunch of people dwelling and being and existing in the presence of God before the Almighty in this beautiful place of grace are going to see transformation. Imagine what it would have been like for those people there at that time who for years and years and years had lived under this kind of condemnation, this separation, not being able, especially priests, like not being able to enter in. And suddenly there's this moment of grace where people can enter the presence of God. It's this amazing moment in Israel's history where, which is kind of this living for picture of a kingdom that would come, what we live under, this taste of life under grace, life under mercy. You know, but most of all, life where all the priests can worship before the Lord. And that period in history, if you've ever been to Israel or you know much about Israeli history, it's called the golden age of Israel. It became, it's the most, the greatest impact they ever had on the world. You know, under Solomon's reign, under, under David and under Solomon, through their reign, blessing just poured into their nation. So much so that kings and queens, there's a story of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit um, Solomon, that people would come and just be so amazed, so amazed at this place. I think it's no coincidence of this foundation of that kingdom, David's kingdom, that it's founded in this place of people dwelling in the presence of God, worshipping God. And God is constantly pointing us to a place where we enter his presence. The Lord wants this real, raw, authentic relationship with us. When we speak with him, do we just speak to him normally? Because that's all you've got to do. There's no special language, no special Christianese or something that you've got to learn, no hyperbole that you've got to use. Just use normal words. God wants to be in your presence. And you know, nothing can highlight that Anymore, and, and there's nothing in the whole of history that can point to the fact of that, that God so wants to be in our presence that we don't have to worry about him running away from us when, when we mess up or running away from us when, when we try and be in his presence or him ever saying, look, sir, I'm just too busy. Nothing highlights that more to us than the coming of Jesus. We cannot get to God. We just can't get to God. Possible. We could never be good enough. That's why, you know, we can't get to heaven by just being a good person, right? We could never be sinless enough to stand blameless before the Almighty. So, you know, because God wasn't willing to go through eternity without us, his son came to earth and he went through hell for us. Why? so that we could be together. The greatest gift that you have, that we've ever been offered, the whole of humanity has offered there on a plate to them, is that they can enter in and stand in the presence of the Almighty. God the Son comes to earth as a baby with the mandate to bring people back to the Father. He sends God the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? So that God wouldn't just be near us, but that he would live inside of us 
that God would come and live inside of us, that in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people to go to. But in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple, that God dwells inside the hearts of the believers that we're now not just priests that have to go to a specific ark somewhere and go to that place, but God is with us everywhere, that God dwells with us. And we know that just some of the things that Jesus said about his proximity to us and us living this Christian life in his presence. He says this, Matthew 28, 20b. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Challenging. It's all about getting us into his presence. It's all about us living in his presence and living from his presence. There's no stronger foundation that we can make our lives founded upon and stood upon than being in his presence, which means being in his love, like that song that we spoke about or sung about. You know, what is your foundation? Is it on money? Is it to do with what your bank account looks like? Is it to do with your career? Is it to do with your family? Is it to do with how intelligent you are? Is it to do with what you know? Which are all great things. But when we make those things ultimate things, we're not making his presence the ultimate thing. It's all about us being in his presence. It's all about us coming back into relationship with God, back into the presence. And it, it's not optional. You know, the picture we get of the Christian life that Jesus paints there, the story of the vine, it's not optional. You know, it's just not, it's not like, oh, I'll be a bit better. It's, no, no. You, if not abiding in my presence, it's like a vine that's had a branch cut off and put over here. That will have no fruit. It will wither. It will dry up. It's dying. You know, and for so many people, and I've experienced this, I felt this. I felt this. I've believed this in my past. Right? For so many people, maybe you're here today and I challenge you in this. For so many people, when we speak about this thing of pursuing the presence, of being in the presence, they are going to hear it as you've got to be good enough. You've got to be holy enough. You've got to earn the right to a relationship with God. You've got to earn the right to a relationship with God. Because really, if you think anything to do with you disqualifies you from being in God's presence, you're saying, I need some kind of right to be in his presence. Yet in John 1.12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, that's Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. You have a right to the Father. And that's part of our church vision that we shared family, that we would be the family of God here in Saikung, here in Hong Kong, that we would know our true identity, that we have a right to be his children and live from that place. You have a right, no matter how badly you've messed up maybe, to climb up into the lap of your daddy, to climb up into the lap of Abba, Father, all because of Jesus, not because of you, 
all because of Jesus, not because of you. It's not about you earning anything. It's not about you being good enough for anything. God isn't sitting there assessing whether or not you've, you're spiritual enough to spend time with. I don't know whether I should spend time with him, James, because he's not very spiritual. He's not doing that. He made a decision to spend time with you, to treasure you 2,000 years ago when he died for you. He's waiting for you to stop telling him, if this is you, to stop telling him that you're not worthy of his presence or you're too sinful to enter his presence or you've made too many mistakes to enter his presence. No. You know, your acceptability before God is all about Jesus and not about you. You know, if you're sat here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you know, you know that your sin can't keep you from God eternally, right? Your sin can't keep you from God eternally. You know that. That's the reassurance. That's that. I know today my last breath on earth. It's my first breath in eternity. I just know that. You know that you're heaven bound, that you've got salvation. You know what though? Eternal life, it started the day that you put your trust in Jesus as the one who takes away your sin makes you right with God that you never have to live another day outside of the presence of God and here's a thought for you if you struggle with this stuff whilst your sin can't keep you out of the presence of God eternally in the same way your sin your mess ups your mistakes can't keep you from the presence of God today it can't keep you out of God's presence today that's why Jesus says abide in me he wouldn't say, abide in me, if you couldn't do that, right? James writes this great verse. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And there's this beautiful thing that sometimes we're the ones who says, I'm not good enough. I can't, I'm not coming in. No, God, I can't come into your presence. Living in the presence is a choice. Living in the presence is a choice, not a result of one of your achievements or something that you've done. Living in the presence is this heart where we realize no matter how much we mess up, God wants to be in our presence. And when we live a life in the presence, everything changes. Everything changes because our blessing comes from him. Blessing comes out of the presence of God. That's where, where else is every good and perfect thing going to come from? Then God himself. It's not based on our performance. God doesn't see us working and say, hey, they've done really well. I'm going to bless them. No, because that's works. God blesses us based on his abundant grace. And, we, you know, we can learn so much about this kind of stuff from David. David's awesome. David's such a great guy. My heart is that we're going to be a church of Davids, minus all the killing everybody. Yeah. But we'll be a church of Davids. In 2 Samuel 7.18, it's this great verse where David, where David goes into the presence of God. And he says, Then King David went into the tent of the Lord's presence. This is the tabernacle of David we're talking about. Went into the tent of the Lord's presence. He sat down and prayed. Sovereign Lord, I'm not worthy of what you have already done for me, nor is my family. And I just want to say, like, I love that picture of him going to the presence of God and sitting down, compared to the picture, picture of the high priest with the bells and the rope in case he's struck down dead. 
there's just such a difference there that David is living in this incredible place of grace before the Father. And yet that high priest, the picture of the high priest there, is living in a place of law before the Father. I love the picture of how comfortable he is in the presence of God. And the great blessing, right? That he's talking about great blessing. The greatest blessing is that he can even be in the presence of God. He's gone for a chat. And the thing I kind of find funny about it is that it's almost like he doesn't fully realize that the place that he's positioned right in front of the Father, right in front of the Father, is he's positioning himself in a place of blessing, the presence of God. So my challenge, guys, is do you chat to him? Do you know the magnitude of blessing that comes from the presence? You know, Jesus said, ask Father for anything in my name and it will be done. This verse speaks about David, who's the king of a country, right? He's got a lot of stuff. He's got a, he's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot. And yet God outblesses his kind of comprehension of what blessing could be. He's bowled over by God's goodness towards him. Blessing flows from the presence of God because it's his nature to bless his children. It's his nature to bless his children. You know, the prodigal son, he wasn't being blessed when he was millions of miles away from the father. But when he came in, he's got the ring put on his finger. He's in the presence of the father. The, the father throws the feast for him to welcome him back. The, everything is, is his. Everything that is the father's is his. You see, when we're in his presence, we're going to understand more about his nature. God wants to pour blessing of all kinds into your lives. But I catch your heart in that. Catch your heart. Because it's not some kind of weird prosperity thing. I'm not talking about, you know, God get rich quick scheme. Sometimes money's involved, right? But this is so that you can in turn be a blessing. That you can in turn pour it out into the world. That your life can be poured out into the world. That you're blessed to be a blessing. When we really begin to see that God wants to be in our presence, that we're brought back into his presence because of the cross, that we're called to live in this life, this life in the presence of God. So many various things in the New Testament can slot into place. There's this, that presence is, living in a place of presence is such a foundational thing. Ephesians 2, 6 kind of a strange verse but it says and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus that we're seated with God with God in the heavenly realms in Christ that we're not just kind of become a follower of some religion, wait around until we die and then get to go to heaven, but that here now we are, can be in the presence of the divine. How in Christ 
Imagine I'm an ambassador. It says that we are ambassadors of the kingdom here on this earth. Imagine an ambassador who wasn't regularly in contact with his home nation, right? He just kind of never spoke to home office. He never, he never communicated again with that. The style in the embassy just started not looking like the home nation style, but started following all the, the local nation. We could describe that as they've gone native. They've become like the local culture. In the spirit was seated in heavenly places in the presence of God. What a better place to realize that thing that is on our heart that Christ calls us to pray, your kingdom come. What a better place to realize your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven when we are in a place where we're living in the courts of the king, where our lives are lived from his presence. So all the things that Jesus calls us to live in in as ambassadors of his kingdom, we can live in because of the presence. Because when we do, when we, when we live our lives from him, dwelling with him, we're not living driven by ourselves. We're not living driven by our own motivations or even our own limitations. But we're living according to him and his word. Things, like, things that he says is hard, right? Go out, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, do miracles. Do miracles, right? It can seem daunting. It can be like, okay, well, that's cool, but I, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know how to do that one. But we can only walk in those places if we're living a life being in the presence of the miracle maker. If we're living a life being in the presence of the healer. If we're living a life being in the presence of the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, so that when you are faced with maybe a situation where there's a demon or something like that, if that ever happens, you're not gonna freak out because you spent your time with the one who says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you'll see that whatever that thing is, it has no authority to him. Being in his presence means you've got your head on his heart that God can whisper you his secrets. Not so it's just some cool thing, but so that you can pour his revelation and love into a world that doesn't know him, into a world that needs a royal priest to step in and bring the breakthrough, bring the word of wisdom that causes someone's life to completely transform, bring a word to somebody that means that they can know God knows them, that you're blessed to be a blessing. And you know, that hearing his voice, that's something different. I, have, I really don't think Laney and Benedict understand a thing I say, you know? They just know I love them though. They can tell that. And for all of us, we're on a journey, right? We're all on a journey. Some of us maybe are new to faith, new to hearing from God. And we don't really always understand and we pick out a little bit. Some of us are further along and we hear, like Eliana, she understands, just completely ignores what I say, you know? <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> Some of us maybe, we're, we're further along, we hear and it's crazy, but we trust and we jump. Hearing is different from the presence, okay? Be in the presence, just be in the presence. 
I want to encourage you today, just as just separate. I just want to encourage you guys, give him time. Give him time. Draw close to him. Abide in him. Book time in your diary. Do you do that? Do you book time in your diary? Because we get super busy in Hong Kong. Book time in your diary to spend with him. And get creative. Get creative in the ways that you can spend time with him. Have a business lunch with Jesus. He's better at business than you are. Okay. Could be out in nature. Could be you're upset and just cry out to him like crying on the shoulder of a dad. Could be talking, praying, singing, be in silence, drawing, painting, running, all sorts. Be in his presence. Be intentional. Be normal. And if you're here today or you're listening on the podcast and you're like, I don't... I don't have that. I don't have that presence. I, I, I don't have, I've never accepted Christ. Uh, and yet I, I, it, you're speaking to my heart and I feel I want to follow him. I believe, I believe that Christ did come, that he did pay the price for my sin so that I could be reunited in relationship with God, that I could be in the presence of the Almighty. If that's you today and you want to begin this journey with him today, I, I want to invite you to receive Jesus today. For as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Come into his presence today. Come into his presence. If that's you, you just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you that you make me blameless before you. That I can come into your presence, God. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life today. Jesus, I choose to put my trust in you today. I choose to follow you today. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Amen. I just want to encourage you guys as a church, challenge you. If you don't have this foundation of presence in your life, this rhythm of presence, this setting time aside to just be in his presence. But you say, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love him and I spend time at various times. I just want to encourage you just between you two, just between you and God, take some time just now to speak to him. Make a decision in your heart and say, God, I... I'm going to pursue your presence. I'm draw, draw close to him right now. He's right here. Just imagine cozying up to your dad or cozying up to your uncle or cozying up to your big brother or 